0: you're listening to stocks and sandals a podcast by stock dads
1: for stock dads following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad so pull up your cargo shorts put on your grass-stained new balances and let's throw some stocks on the grill here are your hosts DJ Brown and Mike Zabala.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Zabala, joined by DJ Brown. How you doing, man? I feel like we just did this. We recorded like two days ago.
1: Yeah, we're good. It's You know, I'm fatigued. It's, uh, it's been a lot of uh, fun recording, but it's, uh, you know, we got our peanut gallery here, so the pressure's always on, so I get all, you know, sweaty and stuff. It's It's a lot more pressure now that we have people watching us from the discord but it's been fun no this is this is awesome
0: yeah these are like way more stressful before it was just kind of like you and me and our guests just kind of you know hanging out and now it's like there's a lot of pressure
1: yeah so. my palms are sweaty knees weak you know vomit on my sweater already mom's spaghetti you know
0: mm-hmm. i'm nervous Good one. but on the surface yeah. no you want me to stop <laughs> okay. you you look like you could spit like eminem
1: i bet I could spit like Eminem. I bet our uh, I bet our guest today could spit like Eminem for sure. I've seen him rocking some sweet rides and stuff. But no, uh, we're we're super excited to have uh, a repeat guest with us. One of our favorite uh, repeat offenders. We got Jason Lee back with us today from Option Swing. Welcome back, Jason. How you doing?
2: I'm doing well. How are you guys doing?
1: we are hanging in there. Is, yeah. These are always interesting and fun to do. So it's, uh, you know, always interesting to see how poorly and unprofessional we look in front of our guests, but it's uh, it's always a good time. <laughs> so uh, no, but yeah, we're, uh, we're glad to have you back, man. Uh, for those of you who are new listeners for us or who maybe missed it, uh, Jason was our big 10th episode, um, you know, talking about options and entrepreneurialism and kind of what we're going to be talking about a little bit more of today, doing kind of a part two, if you will, and kind of following up on each other's journeys and how things are going. Um, Talk a little bit about options, talk a little bit about our uh, paths and how they've crossed and how we've kind of been working together since our last episode to, uh, you know, bring you guys the Stock Dads Discord and all sorts of fun stuff. So we appreciate you back coming back with us, and uh, I guess we didn't scare you away the first time. Too bad, huh?
2: <laughs> Not at all, and thanks for having me again.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I mean, we'll just kind of jump right in. I just kind of wanted to give the our listeners a little bit of backstory. Um, <clears throat> so, we did our interview with Jason. Uh, like I said, it was our tenth podcast episode, and you know, afterwards, we just kind of stuck around and were talking and. Jason's an entrepreneur himself, and he had uh, just, I, I believe at that point, you had just, like, you had, like, two weeks left of your, you know, your big fancy job that you were quitting and, uh, you know, going full-time and diving headfirst into your into your own ventures, right? I think at that point, now you're, now you're full-time option swing and, you know, ternary dev, which we'll jump into, all that stuff, right? That's correct. It's pretty exciting stuff. So uh, when we talked to Jason, um, you know, we were just kind of, tell them about, you know, stock dads and how things were going and, you know, kind of what our goals were and what we were looking to accomplish and how we wanted to, you know, be a resource for dads and, you know, help them to, you know, have a safe and fun environment to learn about dad stuff and learn about, you know, stocks and all that kind of fun stuff. And, you know, Jason actually is a a big reason that we even have a discord now It kind of encouraged us to kind of go in that direction. And, um, I mean, obviously it's been a ton of fun and, We actually decided to work with Jason's uh, other company, so not Option Swing, but his other company, Ternary Dev. Um, Jason, can you tell the people a little bit more about Ternary Dev, and then I'll kind of give them how we've experienced it too. So,
2: yeah, absolutely. So, um, originally, when I started Option Swing, Option Swing is similar to kind of what you guys have, which is essentially a private community inside of Discord and when i was thinking about this i knew that we had a lot of interest of people who did want to join but what we couldn't figure out is the entire lifecycle management of an actual member coming to our website you know signing up for a let's say subscription for a monthly subscription being able to authenticate their payment and receive it being able to send them into you know the private discord server so that way they can join and be given the right permissions but then also you know not only is half the battle getting them into a community, but also what happens when they want to leave? Um, how do they cancel? How do they unsubscribe? Um, how do you remove them from the server automatically so that you're not manually going through and removing, you know, every single one of these Discord members who are, you know, choosing not to renew? And so
1: nobody does that, right, Jason?
2: Nobody, oh yeah, nobody, nobody does camera, that, right? I was like,
0: I'm sound familiar. Seems <laughs> no, like sure a bad that. idea.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. And and the thing is, like, you know, scaling is most important, especially with a business like this, where you don't want the bottleneck to be you guys, where you have to be sitting in an inbox, checking to see who's, you know, purchasing who's, you know, has who needs a invite to get into the discord and all that it just it just takes too much time and the, the experience isn't good. Um, and so what we did was we decided to, you know, invest a lot of our own money upfront to hire a developer to build a custom solution that integrated our website to Stripe, which is our p- payment processor, to Discord. Um, and so ultimately we ended up getting this to work correctly for Option Swing, but it was a very much kind of tailored custom solution for one company. Um, and about you know, a few months ago, it really kind of dawned on me that if, if I take the same concept of what we built for Option Swing, and we put that into the cloud and we create a platform, an entire interface around it. And we offer this as a solution to other up and coming communities who want to offer a similar experience for their members into a private discord, but ultimately allow them to manage, you know, that entire life cycle from end to end. It just kind of all clicked. And so we, we invested, you know, a bit more money into building um, out an entire platform and kind of ternary developments is what came of it. And the platform that you guys are using today is um, really that end product that we built.
1: Yeah man it's been uh, super helpful uh, because uh, you as you know from all of my questions uh you know I am not tech savvy at all and from my just horrendous uh experiences with trying to run a halfway decent podcast um, but it's been really nice to have all that stuff be automated because
0: man I don't know if I could have done it <laughs> by myself yeah we would, we would yeah, we would not have been able to do it no, like
2: I'll there's no <laughs> chance. Tell you, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I couldn't do it on all. myself by myself either. <laughs> it, it, it requires some very good help. <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, no, it's been awesome. So, I mean that those of you who are in our Discord, um, you know the whole sign in process and the subscription process and all that kind of stuff. That's all um, through that ternary dev system. So it's been uh it's been a great experience. So. Um, We really appreciate that and working with you, and it's been a lot of fun. So, Um, but obviously through that, you know, we've built a relationship with you and with uh, Options Swing, and um, it's been a lot of fun to get to know you and kind of follow your journey and stuff like that. And there's a lot of things that I want to talk about, you know, entrepreneurial and stuff. But before we get to that, I want to dive into a few questions about options because we can't have Jason Lee from Options Swing on and not ask him about (laughs) the options questions. I don't think that that would do anybody justice. So. Um, Mike, I know you have a couple of really good ones, so I'll let you kind of kick it off.
0: Okay, yeah, I I just have two questions about options that I wanted to ask. So the first one is will probably be a little bit shorter. I'll start with that one. Um, so I guess my question is with options. So say you're buying a call, you know, you're expecting the stock price to go up, right? Is there ever a reason that you would opt to buy just the stock rather than an option for the call like if you think it's going to go up but outside of any you know I feel like the danger with options is not totally understanding them but like if you do understand them is there really any downside to buying a call over just buying the stock Like, is there ever a situation where you think it's going to go up, but it would be better to just buy the stock outright?
2: Right. Um, Ultimately, I think personally that it is better to buy the stock outright just because once you own the stock, you own it forever. And so as long as you assume that the stock is going to continue to go up, you're pretty much good to just buy and hold that for an indefinite amount of time until you see that position profitable and then you can sell it. Um, The reason why a lot of people get into options trading is because of the volatility, but also because of the, you know, technically the return on investment that can happen from some of these, uh, you know, positions that you can put in, especially around calls. And so a lot of it comes down to things like risk appetite. If you're, you know, working with, uh, you know, expendable income that you're putting aside each month, and this is just almost like fun, play money, and you want to just, Kind of gamble a little bit, kind of take a little bit more risk, see if you can try to make something of it. Then you know, options is a, a great strategy for you. Um, but if you're thinking about long-term investing, if you're thinking about building out your portfolio, the the trap that a lot of people fall into, especially with options trading, is that they assume that it's quick money because in one day, yes, the options can you know increase in hundred percent in uh, you know contract value, but just like that, it can also reverse the opposite way and instantly lose 50% in contract value, if not more, especially with are buying, you know, shorter expirations. And so ultimately, you know, it's, it's just based on the risk appetite that you're willing to take on. But what you're trying to do is it's not a get rich quick type of position. It's a, I see an opportunity and I want to capitalize the most on that opportunity. And most opportunities are bullish opportunities. And so if you know that, um, like, let's, let's talk about Amazon, for example, right? Amazon, they have, you know, earnings early next year. They're going into holiday season right now. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have been probably going Amazon shopping, looking for, you know, gifts to send out to friends, family, all that kind of stuff. But what is the recurring theme that you keep seeing, right? It's a lot of these delays in shipping. And the reason being is because there's a lot of volume coming in and a lot of people aren't traveling for, COVID times, especially during this holiday with that almost second wave that you kind of hear of coming. And so when you think about this, you think about a short-term opportunity of, you know, there's an absolute holiday coming and whether it's, you know, a religious holiday of like Hanukkah or Christmas or what have you, there's always the end of year holidays, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. And you also know that Black Friday and Cyber Monday already happened and you have this upcoming earnings report. That's one of those opportunities where can I hold stocks? and Hold it for the next two years? You know, absolutely. But do I see a bullish opportunity with the amount of increased e-commerce orders that are going, you know, through the holiday season this year, quite possibly being the most that it's ever been in history, you know, and and seeing that short-term opportunity? Absolutely. You know, so uh, would I buy a Friday expiration Amazon call? Probably not. But at the same time, though, you know, a one-month expiration is still considered a short-term expiration because one month, you know, as you guys know, especially with theta decay, you know, comes up very quickly. So, um, ultimately it just kind of depends on kind of the opportunity you see and and the risk that you see.
1: So you kind of, um, excuse me, alluded to one of the questions that I had, which is, and it's not really options related, I guess it's kind of more just in general, but how do you personally, or what would you suggest as far as how do you know if something's already been priced into a stock? You know what I mean? Like if there's like, like this PS five release. Uh, you know, for Sony or whatever, right? Or or you think of like some big release that's been in the news for a while, it's coming, you know, whatever. Like, how do you know, like if if something's close to releasing, you know, or like the, it's like the release date. A lot of people, I think, fall into this trap of like, oh, you know, the PS5 is releasing today, so the stock's going to skyrocket, you know what I mean? or Or whatever it may be. But like in actuality, like that, event is already well priced into the market and it's not going to really affect it. Do you have like a strategy for how you know when things get priced in or how to tell if something's priced in or not?
2: Yeah. Um, There's two ways to look at it. The true way to go about it is fundamental analysis. When you do fundamental analysis on a company, there's some kind of like formula and calculation. And ultimately you can see kind of what the know, uh, estimated like intrinsic value of a stock price should be based on their you know current stats versus looking at today's current price. Where is it at? And sometimes you'll see that, you know, when you do that calculation, some companies will be undervalued where, you know, it should be, you know, $200 a share, but it's only sitting at $120 a share. So that could be a great opportunity. But then you'll see something like Tesla where maybe the true value should be only you know, a few hundred bucks, but you know it's, an, it's, it's skyrocketing. And so really the, the biggest thing to consider is when you have a, a notable news event coming up, whether it's a release date of a big product of theirs, like a, a PS5, or maybe even like the earnings report, You know, there's a lot of movement around earnings report time. What you have to look at is you have to look into leading into that announcement and that date, what's happening with the market. And then you also have to understand what could happen and what is happening with the price after the news you know, kind of comes out. And then from there, understanding how the stock and the chart is reacting to it. So, when, for example, when you're looking at, let's say, a PS5 release date and you're looking into leading up to that you know, Friday of that big announcement, oftentimes you'll see that a stock will start to run because it has a lot of anticipation, a lot of hype building into this date. A lot of people are starting to pick up on the news articles and then they start to buy in wanting to get in on it. And by the time it actually hits that date, boom, it comes out, but you know, okay, the news has already been out and the hype is a little bit gone. And not, suddenly you see a deflation in the price and everyone's just kind of holding, thinking, you know, what happened? I thought we're going to see a huge jump there, but you know, it really just kind of fizzled. And so a lot of it has to deal with leading into almost that date, the run-up, looking at that, and then deciding whether or not the run-up has been too great, that you know, if, if like five days before an ER, the price moves 15% up, that's a 15% move that probably would have happened should the, the news have been good. So likely now that it's coming out, people are already expecting good news, so it's not going to move that 15% again. It might move only you know, 5% and that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. you just have to kind of analyze it the best. But ultimately, you know, the way I always look at it is by the time you see in the news, it's too late. You know, it's it's people have already been in on it. People already heard about it. It's likely too late.
1: Yeah, especially for like us retail investors who, you know, aren't getting that news, you know, first. Right. And I think, you know, it's, it's really like that whole buy the rumor, sell the news, you know, situation and and i mean i think even like today the um you know the virgin galactic you know the test flight and well the test flight was i think saturday or something and it didn't go well right and then today you know the stock plummets so i think you know but it had a huge run going up into the event so i mean it would have been smart to play it up to it and then you just kind of have to gauge your risk and if you want to hold it through that event and maybe it's successful and it skyrockets or maybe pun intended. Right. Or maybe it's uh, <laughs> you know, not successful like it was this time. And now you've, it had a horrible day. I think it lost like 17% on the day or something. So, but yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. I think that's probably the only way to go about it is to just kind of gauge your interest and, in, um and your risk level and, and uh, earnings too. Like you said, you know, the more you hold through earnings, the higher risks that you're taking and stuff. But, so I think that's exactly,
0: good
1: yeah, uh, but it could pay off sometimes. So, I mean, if you, if you really believe in a stock and plan to hold it for months or years, maybe you just hold it and see what happens. So I don't know. You know, individual strategies. So
2: exactly. And ultimately even with options trading as a whole, again, you know, people shouldn't be using money that they need to be options trading per se. They should be using that money to buy stocks and grow out a portfolio but with expendable income or with profits, that's where options trading, you know, is is very beneficial because then you're accepting a certain amount of risk. Like I'm buying, you know, $500 into this position. So I know that max loss is going to be 500. But again, I'm using funds that are either from a profit from another play, or it's something that I've been, you know, allocating and budgeting for as almost like play money. But if you don't have, you know, a 401 a 1K setup. If you don't have a portfolio of at least even just a handful of stocks that you're holding on to, you should be focusing on those first because that builds equity before doing options trading, where that's really more you know, supplementing, if anything. You know, options is really a supplemental trading strategy. People do it as a full-time strategy as well, which is very possible. But ultimately, if you don't have the capital and you don't have the expendable income to keep replenishing that, you know, trading account should you be taking losses, then it's a game that, you know, should should be very cautiously approached and instead, you know, looking at dividend investing, stock investing, those kind of things where build actual equity, you know, that's that's the key, you know, especially for beginning traders.
0: Okay. My second question was about options. And it's pretty broad, so forgive me for this, but could you just kind of help break down like how debit spreads work and just explain what they are and just like help me understand that a little bit because I've heard of them. I'm not super familiar with them or how they work or anything. So could you just break that down for me?
2: So that is one of those few areas that I don't know that well either. Um, Debit and credit spreads are things that I don't try to play with too much only because what I know of them is that It's good for people who don't have a lot of capital because it allows you to, you know, sell a contract, but buy a contract. And as you know, the price moves, it allows you to capitalize on a little bit of gain in between, but at the same time, you also cap, you know, what you can maximum make on it, but also what you can lose on it. And so, you know, when I, when I got into options trading for me, I think the most straightforward way is just doing, you know, you know. Uh, short-term or long-term call or put options and just buying those and either playing it by a momentum type of kind of strategy. Um, or there's something that I wanted to get into that I haven't yet, but it's also on the flip side of it, which is um, selling contracts. That's also a big strategy that a lot of people use. And so that is something that I can, I can definitely talk a bit more about, but ultimately with the spreads themselves, you know, it, it it can get complicated. So for me, I always like to keep it simple and either buy call if I think it's going, buy put if I think there's weakness, um, and especially around technical analysis, looking at the uh, patterns, kind of what's forming, using those as my guide ultimately to determine you know what strike price I'm looking at, expiration dates, you know, all that kind of stuff.
1: Do you uh do you have a favorite chart pattern or indicator that's like automatic? Like I'm I'm calling this for sure. Like I see a uh, an ascending triangle, like this sucker's going, or whatever it may be. Do you have? I'm just curious if like there's something that just really tickles your pickle, you know, when you're uh, out there looking at charts, you <laughs> want to buy. It. Yeah, um, there's
2: not there's not any particular one that's a favorite per se. It's just some are easier to identify than others, and the more closer you can identify and match a pattern to a chart pattern that you know the better it is. And what I mean by that is you could have, for example, like a a head and shoulders pattern forming, but one of the peaks might not be as high. One of the peaks might be a little bit off. You know, it kind of looks like a head and shoulders, but you're not quite sure, right? And that's where it's a little bit tricky because is it really a head and shoulders pattern forming or could it be almost like a wedge where it's really just bouncing off the the trend line and it looks like it's a head and shoulder, but really it's more of like a a pennant forming, you know, that kind of stuff. And so ultimately in terms of pattern kind of watching, the biggest thing that I'm always looking for is number one, how close is it into forming a pattern that I'm you know tracking? And there's, there's probably about 20 different patterns, you know, that you know any trader should kind of be at least familiar with and referencing. Um, and then from there, as you're watching these patterns, again, you'll also have to track volume, right? Because a lot of times when you're let's say looking at a bullish pattern, the only way that it's gonna break through that resistance line. Is through is with volume and then with that volume pushing above. And when you're looking at this pattern and you see it kind of coming back and it's kind of bouncing, it's getting to that critical point where is it going to break above the resistance or fall below the support? That's where you're again really kind of watching, watching. And if you see that volume start coming in, boom, buy calls right there because you know that it's most likely going to break above that resistance and continue moving. So, you know, ultimately, again, it's just it's identifying the strength of the pattern of how closely it's matching again. It's how well you're drawing your lines and doing your technical analysis. And then from there, um, you know, it's just, it's, you know, making the play and then hoping it goes in your favor.
1: So, um, once you identify pattern and you see the volume coming in or whatever, and you like, okay, I'm going to, I call here or put whatever, like, how do you determine your timelines? Do you use a like, what, what do you use to determine, like, is this going to be a, a call that's a week out or a month out or three months, a leap? Uh, and is that a term that I just use it like leaps or like, yeah. I, I don't know. Tell me some of those like fun little terms, like if it's like a swing or a leap or whatever. And, and then how do you determine how long out you're going to buy a call or a put?
2: Yeah. So, um, again, a lot of it has to be opportunity based trading. It's whether you see the opportunity in the short term, in the far term. Um, it's looking at the stock where it is today. If it looks like it's been oversold and it's just been kind of kicked down, and you know that it has, you know, time and it's most likely going to return and go back up. You know, again, it's it's tough to really time when things are going to actually happen. The best you can do is just be in a position and then be there for when it does actually move. And so, um, leaps leaps are a term that people use for things that are usually yearly, um, out a year. And so like a 2021, 2022, 2023, like that kind of stuff and leaps are great because those are things where, you know, you could buy it at the beginning of the year and then buy something way out the money, you know, for end of year and just hold it for the next six months. And as the year progresses and gets closer, um, hopefully the stock is moving up and you're, you know, seeing multiples on these, on these premium increases. So. If you're looking at a kind of long-term trade opportunity, then you know a leap is a good contract to buy. But obviously, you're paying the premium because you're getting maximum amount of time on these contract expirations, it's giving you the the highest probability that it will go in your favor. Because of just purely about the amount of time, so you know you're you're also paying for its leaps. You know at the same time.
0: So I've I have a quick question on that. Um, so I know one of the uh, Greeks. I think it's theta, which is mm-hmm. like the time decay. Is that right? That's right. So how does that how does that play into leaps then?
2: Yeah, it's, it's like a multiple where if you think about a short-term position, right? Let's say Friday, today's Monday. So let's say we're lo- looking at uh, this Friday expiration. The theta decay that happens um, or the time decay that happens happens exponentially faster the closer and closer you get to that date. Because depending on if you're out of the money or in the money, most likely you're out of the money, The further you get out of the money and the shorter the time is before expiration, the faster you see that volatility of movement. Whereas with a leap, because you have so much time and that calculation of time decay is so long in terms of the amount of time, that multiple is very, very little. So a lot of times when you see leaps and you see the premium changes, even though the stock takes a big hit today, your pre your premium drop on a leap might only be ten percent, whereas on something like a one month expiration, or even a, a Friday expiration, you're going to see a fifty percent move sometimes if not bigger, just because again that time decay or that theta plays exponentially into the calculations.
1: When you sell a stock, do you ever do like covered calls? And like, if so, can can you kind of explain that briefly? I know I think we've touched on it in a, in a couple other episodes, but. <laughs> i still don't get it we've brought it
0: up a few times but it was too confusing so we just moved on
1: yeah Yeah. so i can just try and explain what that is (laughs) i I know one of our play callers on the discord does that sometimes and i I just would like to understand a little more
2: yeah absolutely one of one of our community uh members his name is mike he does that big time um and teaches our group as well about kind of selling contracts um, and options contracts and kind of the other side of the game and so I I don't personally know, again, the the ins and outs of exactly how it works, but I'll tell you from a conceptual perspective why people do it and why it's beneficial. Um, Covered calling from a, a very base level standpoint is when you look at an options contract, like a single contract, that's for 100 shares, right, inside that single contract. So what people do is when people have a lot of shares that they've accumulated over time or just happens to have a large position in something. What they do is they can sell these contracts off their shared positions that they currently own and allow people to almost, almost, almost think of it as like rental income, almost rent out the rights to owning your shares without the obligation of actually owning your shares, right? Because with an option contract, it's always the right, but not the obligation to purchase a stock or the underlying asset at a set price at a certain date, right? And so when you have a lot of share position, yes, it's great to be holding on to, you know, a hundred shares of, you know, let's call it Tesla, right? But at the same time though, usually a stock throughout the year, you know, kind of moves up, moves down, but most likely it's not going to just be a straight up shot, you know, for the entire year. And so what people do to maximize on owning these shares, but not necessarily having to buy and sell these share positions to realize all the, the profits and their gains is that they sell these covered contracts, like covered calls or covered puts against these positions, depending on what they think is gonna be most beneficial for them. So so what people will do is, for example, let's say I have a large share position and I think the the stock is going to go up. What I'm gonna do then in that scenario is I'm going to buy, or I'm not gonna buy, but I'm gonna sell covered puts. And the reason why I'm selling covered puts is because not only are they considered covered because I own at least 100 shares, if not more, and I'm selling one contract, if not more, you know, correlating to that, but also as the stock price moves up, which is what I'm assuming the price is gonna do, these puts that I'm selling, the premium is gonna drop lower and lower and lower because it's moving further and further out the money, right? And so as it's moving further and further out the money, the people who are buying these rights to own this share or for this contract now sees the put drop 50% in value and they decide to sell it or get rid of it or whatever. But you as the owner of these contracts, selling these and selling these positions, collect on these premiums. So so the, the name of the game as a covered contract seller, I guess you could call it, is making sure that every single one of your contracts that you're selling and putting out there go to zero everything should expire out the money everything should expire you know at zero because then you keep all the pr- the premium and the the pro- the profit from that of, of what's been collected and so again when you think of this as almost like a supplemental strategy I have all these shares and the shares kind of moving up but in case you know I want to maximize you know uh, my profits on or anything, I can sell covered positions I like could put where I think it's going to be bullish, or I want to protect myself. And I think that there's going to be a lot of weakness coming, but I don't want to sell all my shares. Why don't I sell some covered call positions? And should the stock drop, boom, these covered calls are now worthless, but I'm collecting the premium because I'm again, renting out the rights to people who want to purchase these contracts.
0: Okay. So I think I understood that. And I just want to clarify a few things. Okay, sure. So first of all, to sell a cover, so for a covered call or a covered put, you have to own the shares first.
2: Exactly. For it to be considered a covered.
0: Okay. Okay. So if I think that, so I have a hundred shares of Apple and I think that the price is going to go up. I would sell puts because people pay me for those, but if they don't end in the money, then I keep them, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so what happens then if they go down instead? Do you just keep the premium and lose your
2: shares? So what you do is you usually let them expire. Um, and at the time of expiration, if they are in the money and they decide they want to exercise those contracts, the worst that will happen is the shares will be removed out of your account because... You know, you are guaranteeing that these shares, you would sell these shares at this price at this date. And if they're in the money, then they're in the money. And so it's not like a obviously it's not a 100% strategy of always being able to sell covered positions and be able to watch them run to zero and collect all that premium. But a lot of times what people will find is that as they're holding onto these large share positions, it doesn't make sense to just let them sit there and do nothing. And it doesn't make sense to buy and sell these shares like you're day trading almost rather just accumulating, you know, equity. And so it's the, it's through the use of selling covered contracts that people almost rent out these rights to, you know, potentially try to profit. But as most of you guys will know, especially as options traders, the majority of contracts usually run to zero, you know, and very seldom do they actually turn out to be a really big winner. And all of those times that you've had a contract run to expiration and run to zero and all that kind of stuff, think about the person on the other side who sold you those rights, who now collected that 500 bucks, that 800, 1000, whatever you put into it, you know, they've collected that, that goes somewhere.
0: So what if they, so what if, um, so you sell a call and the price drops and the person that bought them doesn't want to exercise them, they just sell them. Like, how does that work? Do you still
2: keep them? I believe so. That's where okay. it gets a little bit into the gray area. Um, okay. From my understanding, again, it's always the right, but not the obligation to purchase an underlying asset. So at the time of expiration, a lot of times what you'll notice is that um, because theta is reading zero on the board because it's the time is zero, what you'll see is that everything that's in the money is very almost like even numbers. like the first in the money will be you know two dollars, then the next will be three, the next will be four, five, six. And as you kind of go out further and further in the money to the strike, the higher and higher those intrinsic values of each contract is. And so at the time of expiration when those contracts get sold back, you could you technically you know keep whatever that contract value is at the time. And so if you don't want to exercise it, they'll just I believe just swap it out and give you the intrinsic value of whatever it's worth as money instead Because at the end of the day it's the same whether you buy you know two contracts at a thousand bucks or 200 shares at a thousand, it's still you know the same.
0: right? okay. That was super helpful for me. I think DJ is confused, but <laughs> I'm
1: always confused. And I think uh, I think that no matter what, like the more I talk about options, like the more confused I get. I think I'm just gonna have to get open a paper trading account and just do some. Because <laughs> I honestly, like, yep. until I just do some, like, I, I just don't think it's gonna click for me. Um, I I've tried asking the same questions thirty different ways, and I mean. <laughs> this is nothing against you and how you're explaining it jason i just i'm an idiot to be honest so um, my brain just doesn't <laughs> <work>. <laughs>
0: um yeah plus i thought I, just, I thought it was very well explained
1: yeah <laughs> I, i'm guided to it like i kind of conceptually get it which tells me that it was explained awesomely because if i can kind of get it then that means that everybody else that's listening that has a normal brain probably is like, Oh, wow, that makes perfect sense now. Thank you. (laughs) um, No, um, before my brain absolutely melts, let's, uh, let's jump into some, uh, let's talk more entrepreneurship because, um, you got a lot of value obviously with options, but you also got a lot of value as an entrepreneur. So I want to make sure that our listeners and myself and Mike, you know, get to pick your brain a little bit. Um, so, Tell me just kind of, uh, I mean, we'll just kind of start easy. Like, how's it been since you left your, you know, your dream job and started doing, uh, you know, your own thing full time? Like, how's that been for you?
2: Yeah, so it's been very, it's been very good. Uh, First and foremost, one of the things that really prompted me to kind of decide whether or not I could, uh, you know, keep up with the main job and continue there was really just bandwidth. And What I realized as the year progressed and as option swing got bigger and especially with ternary developments, wanting to pursue that project and, and build that company out. There's just too many things I need to get done, but with the main job also requiring a lot of hours, it just was burning me out and there just wasn't enough time in the day for really anything. And so, um, having since now left that job and now focusing 100% on my entrepreneurial pursuits, I feel a lot better because I have more time throughout the day to allow myself to build the things that I want. Um, And, you know, just overall, even just like not having conference calls all day where I don't have to worry about that 10 o'clock call and that 11 o'clock call and that one o'clock call and so forth and just being able to work, you know, in my office like this and and be able to build, you know, without interruption. I really like that. So um, just the freedom that it's given me is, you know, night and day.
1: Now you just have to worry about your seven thirty calls with Mike and I, and looking at our ugly mugs. Which is <laughs> probably much worse, really. So you made a huge mistake. <laughs> um, uh, I actually have another question. So, like, that's something. I mean, like, I, we're still in our infancy stages and stuff, and I I'm, we're nowhere near um, to the point, you know, of establishment that Option Swing is at and stuff. But this is something that I would eventually like to, you know possibly make a full-time thing and and kind of transition into it so I'm kind of just interested how did you I mean did you just come to a point where you were so burnt out that you had to make the move or was there like did you like somehow talk yourself into it mentally like I'm about to make this huge plunge into into the kind of the unknown and stuff because like I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs not even just in what we're we're doing you know like any sort of entrepreneur right that has like a business that they want to um, you know, that they want to pursue or build like and but they have this the safety of of, a you know, their jobs that they have currently. How do you make that move? How do you like just finally, you know, I don't know, sack up and do it? You know what I mean? Because like, that's the part that I'm just nervous about down the road. Like, I just don't know that I could ever like leave the safety, especially with two kids and, you know, oh, wife. Yeah. Like you know, I, I got like responsibility, so it's it's nerve-wracking. So I'm just interested to hear that.
2: Yeah. So as you're kind of asking that question, there was two keywords um, that I kind of picked up on what you're saying, which is something that everyone has to consider. The first is safety, and the second is security, and both of those stem a lot around financial. And if your main job is providing safety and security financially and you're now thinking to leave that job to pursue something new the biggest fear of essentially the unknown is the financial part am i going to be able to at least make enough that i can continue living my life take care of my kids pay for the rent buy food all that kind of stuff and still be able to you know survive while building or am i going to see a lot of hardship you know if i lose my first job to try to pursue this and so that's really the main the main driver for me in terms of making it a lot easier for me to let go of my primary income at the time was simply that option swing was big enough at the point that I could not necessarily maintain the amount that I was making, but at least maintain a lifestyle enough that I'm not taking a huge you know, step back, nor am I you know, giving up a huge chunk of money for something like this. It was more just financially, it made sense. I could survive off of one salary, um, especially off of option swing at the time. So, you know, I I don't see why not take that chance and see how it goes versus letting it draw on further and further to the point where I just know that, you know, these projects will get done someday, but between getting them done, you know, in the next three months versus getting them done in the next three years, it's the difference between working full-time on something versus working part-time on something.
0: Yeah, that's been something that's been super hard for me personally recently. And I would imagine it's the same for DJ because I know he's way more busy than me already. <laughs> but um, yeah, just working like my full time job and, you know, getting the Discord started up and doing all the Facebook stuff and the podcast and just like everything has felt super overwhelming.
2: It, it is. It It is. And that that's the thing that people often don't realize going into this, you know, in terms of entrepreneurialism, is that there's no one that's going to make it for you. There's no one that's going to post it for you or record it for you or do any of this stuff for you unless you're paying them, which oftentimes as an entrepreneur, you can't because you don't really have a lot of capital to, to begin with. So a lot of it does have to come off, you know, the sweat off your shoulders. And, and, you know, all that hard work, you know, has to be put in by someone. And a lot of time it's done in secret, you know, behind the scenes by you. You know, and so that's one of the things that I feel as an entrepreneur, it's obviously one of the most difficult things you can do, uh, you know, as as a career. But ultimately, because you go through the hardships and the trials, you know, of being an entrepreneur, as you meet other entrepreneurs, you gain a lot of respect because you know what it's like, you know, and so Mm -hmm. the, the ultimate kind of deciding factor is whether or not you can do it. You know, and a lot of people, they give up very easily because when things get tough, they didn't realize that it was going to be this tough. And maybe it's not for me. And I'm just happier doing something else, you know, which is totally fine. But those who truly succeed are the ones who push through, especially during those hard times, especially during those late nights and, you know, the grind that occurs, especially in the beginning to get everything up and running and moving. You know, that's it, it takes a certain kind of person and personality to be able to do something like that. Get yeah, me hyped sure. right now, dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean it's
1: it's so true though. I mean, like, you know, one of the things that I've learned about myself over the last I don't know, five months that we've been doing this or whatever, like um, I don't say no easily. Um, and I I overcommit myself in a lot of different ways. Like, you know, first of all, like when we first decided to start the podcast, and when that was literally all it was, was just a podcast, right? I was, I'm, I'm a full time dad, obviously of two. I have a full time job. I am working on my MBA. Um, like, and then I decided, oh, let's just do a podcast. And that just evolved and really quickly turned into now we're running a business out of this. And then on top of that, I thought, oh, well, I can still coach basketball this season. So I, decided, I'm going to go coach basketball, uh, you know, this year. And, and like, you just literally run out of, out of time in the day. And I I think for, for all the dads out there listening and the, you know, the entrepreneurs and the ones that are grinding and stuff, like, I think, you know, one of the most important lessons that I've learned is like, you got to set priorities. You know what I mean? Like, like for me, like I started to sacrifice time with my wife and kids and, that was not what I wanted to do. And I, you know, had to realize like, if, if I want to do these things and still be a dad, still be a good husband, like there are other things that in my life that I have to say no to sometimes and it's okay. Um, you know, so like basketball, I'm done. I'm not coaching anymore. Like I'm not going to do that again. You know, I mean, like I, you know, there are just things like as soon as, as soon as I get my MBA in July, like, I'm not going to get a third master's degree. Like I'm good. Like you can just chill, you know, like I feel like I've, I put this pressure on myself to like, I don't know, just never stop, like never stop grinding and stuff. And like, that's great. And that's, you know, will get me places. And I know that this is going to work because I'm going to make it work, whether anybody listening likes it or not, like it's going to work. And this is going to be something fun and big, but it's just like something where like, you just have to know what's important to you and, and if you're willing to kind of fight for it, you know. So, I mean, four hours of sleep a night, hey, you do what you got to do, right? You just kind of make it happen. So, But that's it's encouraging to hear that, like, at some point, you know, you had the balls to just, like, say, I'm doing this. You know what I mean? I'm just going in head first because, like, that's the point that I need to get to at some point down the road. Obviously, we got a long ways to go before I can do that. But, you know, just that mentality that, like, Someday I will have the guts to do it
2: is encouraging to hear. You know what I mean? So. Oh, yeah. And and some of the things that I've kind of taken away just over the past year of kind of growing these businesses is one, you know, everything happens for a reason and everything happens when it should for the most part. And so a lot of times you can't time when you think you'll be ready to leave, you know, your first your your primary income and your primary company. Because a lot of times something's going to happen. Just like with me, I I got hit really hard with a huge increase in terms of bandwidth of required work for my main job. That during that stretch of me trying to do all that, I got super burnt out. And that's when it just got to the point where I couldn't. I knew I couldn't do both. And that was very, you know, uh, you know that happened as almost like an opportunity and slash fate, you know, and telling me the universe telling me that this is the time where you know you really have to decide for yourself. So. You know, it is hard to, to, to try to gauge when you think you'll be ready and and whatnot. But what I can tell you is that when that time comes, you will know. You know, and you'll you'll look at Mike and Mike will look at you and you guys will be like, you know, this is this is it. We've we've done it and we we're at a point where we can, you know, take this full on, you know, head on and everything. And so,
0: I put my two weeks in <laughs> like yesterday. We're we're going for it. <laughs>
2: good man. Good.
0: I think I
1: need to I think I need to get rid of Mike first so that i can get fifty <laughs> percent back because then I can get, you know, I can quit fifty percent faster. No, I'm just um, yeah. that's This this is good. So I mean I think that this is this is super valuable for anybody listening, anybody that's wanting to you know start or do anything that's scary or you know jumping into the unknown at all so but i mean we could sit here and talk about this stuff all day uh we are going to do a live q a session after this so i'm going to save some of the questions for that um but we can't let you go without you know getting into our dad's joke section so hopefully you came prepared i'm fine yeah, if you yeah. didn't but you know what i mean it's it's just <laughs> you know, one of those things but uh mike what what uh what dad joke do you have for me uh today buddy
0: Dude, you literally never start with me. This is the one time I do not have a joke right now. gosh.
1: The two of you guys, you know what? I I got (laughs) one. I got one. Give me a sec. You guys guys are not
2: rookies to the Stocks and Sandals (laughs) (laughs)
1: podcast. This is, come on now.
2: All right, go ahead, Jason. Sorry. All right, you guys ready? All right. So, I've started investing in stocks, mostly beef, chicken, and vegetable. One day, I hope to be a bullionaire. (laughs)
0: we've had that one on the we've we've had that shared on our facebook page a few times it's so (laughs) corny i love it yeah it is awesome (laughs) every time i have a so story um you're when you were on our uh podcast last time you told another stock related joke and i did not get it for like two days to be honest (laughs) (laughs) like two like a couple days after i was like oh <laughs> i get it <laughs> do you um, remember what that
1: joke was i don't remember yeah, what it was I Do remember
0: honest. it it's not it wasn't even like it's something i it should was, have got right away yeah
2: it was something like what are stock traders uh wall street doing during quarantine or something like yeah. that it and was then it's insider wall trading street. yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are wall street <laughs> traders doing you know during quarantine insider <laughs> yeah. trading I was like,
0: like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know because it's because I even told a joke similar to that like two weeks before. Like I don't know.
1: (laughs) exactly the same joke that you told. (laughs) Yeah. All right. What do you got, Mike? Oh gosh, sorry. You go. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Seriously. How much time does it take to Google a dad joke? There's like a thousand of them.
0: I'm going through my messages from Brooke.
1: Oh, thank goodness. Brooke to the rescue. (laughs) Brooke always provides. I know. All right. Well, while you're doing this, I'll I'll go. Um, So how many South Americans does it take to change a light
0: bulb? How many? Brazilian. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, nice. Good good one. Good one. <laughs> that was actually Thanks. good. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Um, okay, I've got one. Finally. What do snowmen eat for lunch? Uh, mm. I don't know. Popsicles? Nope. They eat ice burgers. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. The my material is uh it's dwindling.
1: <laughs> yeah, you gotta get you gotta start doing some research. Like hit up Reddit. It's a like gold mine for these yeah. things, dude. It's
0: been <laughs> it's so nice up until now. Like, people have just sent me dad jokes. I've had to do no prep work for this part, but nobody ever sends me anything. I, I don't caught know, up like to like- me, it's to- because you don't have friends. Like, I have you, Joking. I have you, and
1: that and Jason's kind of my friend. I think so. <laughs> we're friends. <laughs> thanks man. That's such a pity. Like,
2: pity <laughs> the pat on the head. We're, we're friends. friends. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's wrap it up here. Um, but yeah, no, thanks again for being on Jason. Uh, tell the people where you can, where they can find you.
2: And, uh, Uh, Do a quick little 30-second pitch for yourself. Go for it. Yeah. So um, if you guys didn't know already, Option Swing is an educational community that teaches uh, people how to essentially trade in the stock market and do options trading. So if you want to learn more, you can go to our website at optionswing.com. And if you are interested in learning more about our subscription management platform that we've built out, you can go to our website, ternarydev.com.
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially if you guys are listening and anybody's like about to launch a Discord or even runs one and does all the self management, stop doing that and (laughs) go to Ternary Dev. It makes things way easier, but no. Um, Yeah. And then uh, thank you guys always, as always, for listening uh, to our podcast. We actually just crossed over our 10,000 download uh, threshold, which is super cool where we like popped in the top 100 investing podcasts in the U S which is crazy to me because Mike and I are so bad at this. I don't know, but we, uh, we've been having a ton of fun. We've been growing. We really appreciate the support and the, um, just the constant like downloads. I don't, every time we have a new episode I'm always like man we just keep getting awesome guests because nobody's downloading these for us but it's um, really mind
0: blowing honestly the support so thanks everybody yeah
1: and uh, if you guys aren't already um, you know make sure to check out our uh, Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram we are revamping our Instagram it's going to be way cooler than when I was trying to run it like a schmuck Um, but (laughs) it's going to be much nicer now moving forward so follow us there at Stock Dads And uh, we also have a Discord um, that many people right now are listening to this on live. Uh, We um, have a lot of fun stuff going on. And uh, we're going to be giving away a PS5 for anybody joining between now and January 14th. Um, So for our All-Star and Hall of Fame members. Jason, you're giving away a PS5 too, right?
2: That's right. We're doing one on uh, Instagram very soon, actually.
1: Yeah, see, guys, it pays in video games to listen to us. That's why people listen, <laughs> for opportunities to get PS5s. So uh, make sure you check out both Option Swing on Instagram and Stock Dads, and uh, we just appreciate it. Thanks for everything, and uh, thanks, Jason. And, um, you know, I guess we're out. Thanks, guys. Thanks again Thank for having me. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.